we need to talk about investing. A Beginner Investor Podcast from Charles Stanley. Thank you all so much for joining me for another episode of We Need to Talk About Investing. I'm your host, Erica White. And today I'm here to talk to Rob Morgan about what exactly is going on with the supply chain crisis right now, the way it's affecting inflation, and of course, what exactly that means for my portfolio. Rob, thank you so much for joining me. How's it going? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. So I'm going to start this week's podcast off with a little bit of a story. So this past June, so four months ago now, I ordered some brand new dining chairs, uh, which I was really excited about. They were a real adult purchase. And it gave me a three to four week wait time. That's what it said on the um, order, which was a bit of a long time, but it was totally fine, blah, blah, blah. So then by mid-August, I checked in on that order. Do you know where I'm going with this, Rob? (laughs) I I can imagine where you're going. (laughs) So the order then said it wouldn't arrive until December. So that was four more months which was not ideal but again I was like I'm already in this I've already waited for a while I might as well keep waiting until Christmas for these chairs then this past week I got an email saying that these chairs which I ordered in June will not arrive until March which (laughs) was kind of crazy considering that was I was told it was just a couple weeks and so the reason that the said on the order sheet was supply chain issues so Rob We need to talk about this. The way that the global supply chain have been impacting the market so significantly, which we can see with orders like this, which I'm sure a lot of people have been experiencing recently. Can you explain what the heck is going on? Because I want my chairs. (laughs) Well, I'm not sure I can do anything specifically about your chairs, but I think think this is a thing that a lot of people are facing at the moment. And I, I had something similar. But worse, actually, I tried to order a bike and it was going fine. And then they just cancelled the order. And I think what it was is just that they couldn't get the parts to go mm. on go on the bike. So there's real sort of bottlenecks there. And I think the root cause of it all really is what happened to the economy when COVID hit last year, 18 months ago, meant demand just basically dropped off for um you know, large swathes of the economy. I mean, we saw it most obviously in things like restaurants and catering and stuff like that, but really it affected everything. So businesses across the board retrenched, they ran down inventories because they didn't really know where demand was going at Mm -hmm. all. They had no clue. They didn't restock very quickly. And prudent businesses, you know, they were just taking a decision really that, that because they don't know what the future looked like, they couldn't really plan. And that's why we've got the disruption now, really, because we've gone from a situation where we had hardly any demand at all during the lockdowns. And now we've got all of a sudden people have got a bit more visibility about the future mm-hmm. and we've got demand you know, going back to the normal levels, really, but a comparative scarcity of the things that we all want. And that's what's really happening And these bottlenecks are cropping up and they're cropping up in different industries and sometimes where we're not expecting as well. Uh, And also we've got shortages of key personnel. So people have maybe changed jobs during the pandemic. Are the lorry drivers in the UK? I know we've 
we've had a real lack of those. I've heard heard lots of radio advertisements, interestingly, for people trying to recruit new lorry drivers. Yeah, which that's is interesting. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And whether it's catering or fruit picking or lorry driving or whatever, these these people who were doing those jobs aren't doing those jobs potentially anymore. And well, lorry drivers is probably slightly different because you know, there's been a structural uh, decline in the numbers of people going into the industry. These are the where the sort of bottlenecks are, are showing up. And microchips is, a, is another one. We can't seem to get enough of those. The downing tools generally during the pandemic is potentially to blame. And the lack of development of energy resources as well is another massive issue. So the energy market's really tight. Don't get you started on the petrol shortage, right? The chaos of the petrol shortage that we've been witnessing, especially in London. Like people are trying to kill each other at these gas stations trying to get petrol. It's really like it's the scenes. I have a petrol station at the bottom of my road and it's kind of like apocalyptic the way that people, I mean, if it's eased up a little bit this week, but you, people were screaming, you're getting out of their cars and screaming at each other at the petrol station. I was just basically walking by to go to the gym and I'd stand there just to kind of witness the chaos that was happening there, which again, right, comes down to the global supply chains and the way that they've been affected. So I have an interesting little bit blurb from an article here that I want to read you. So it says that global supply chains, which have run smoothly for decades, have suddenly been thrown out by a number of connecting systemics issues. So global shortage of semiconductor chips, an energy supply crisis, disruptions to transport and labor shortages, etc. So there are huge jams at the major U.S. ports. Also, Felix Stowe, the U.K.'s largest container port, is being forced to turn away ships from Asia because of lack of capacity. That's probably where my chairs are, honestly. So supply chain (laughs) disruptions are now showing up in every corner, reports Moody's Analytics. And this is a quote from Brian Burke from the SEKO Logistics Supply Chain Specialist. He says, quote, everything is breaking down. It's kind of spooky. Well, it doesn't bode well for either your chairs or, or Christmas, does Absolutely. it really? Oh, my um, God. Yeah, I mean, I imagine your chairs are somewhere somewhere in a container. Totally. Wherever they're coming from and they can't get to you. Absolutely. But, uh, what we've got to kind of unpick, really, when we're thinking about investments is, is how long this is going to last, really. And it's really, really hard to say. Well, let's talk about the knock-on effects of this supply chain chaos what do you anticipate or what have you been seeing already that's maybe raised some red flags for you yeah so the key knock-on effect is higher inflation so yeah inflation is the rate in which prices of goods and services rising so it's the rises in the cost of living and you know we've we've now got inflation in the us and uk and europe in the kind of three four five percent area Now, that's a lot, lot higher than what we're used to in recent times. And it's really a result of, well, two things. One is the sort of low base where we were coming from. So inflation is measured on an annual basis. And if you think back to sort of this time last year, prices may have been artificially subdued by the lack of demand that Mm -hmm. we had from the covid pandemic and now obviously everything's reopened and prices have taken off a bit through all the things that we we've just talked about feeding into that we've also got sort of central banks that are trying to quantify that and deal with that and they're not sure really how quickly or when to raise interest rates to try and curtail that inflation so that's what the the financial markets are kind of grappling with Um, the central banks are saying kind of 
well, it's transitory. We we think it'll come back to the trend that we're happy with, which is about sort of 2%, which is a nice middle ground for um, a stable economy. That's the um, average, right? The average rate of inflation year on year, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what central banks target. So five is their target? Yeah, I believe I read that somewhere. What they want is some inflation in yeah. the in the economy. They don't want falling prices right. because that creates a downward spiral where people just put off purchases and things get cheaper over time and the economy sort of goes backwards. So they want a bit of inflation. That's a good thing, but they don't want too much inflation. They don't want volatile inflation because that makes planning ahead really, really difficult. This feels like really volatile inflation. Yeah, that's exactly what we've got is volatile inflation, which is a real nightmare for central banks. They don't know what to do because if they put up interest rates too fast, then they kill off the economy and it starts to go backwards. If they don't do enough, don't put up interest rates and make the cost of borrowing higher, then they will end up, you know, inflation could get out, out of control if they don't do enough. So they're in this sort of tightrope walk. Yeah, they need to do a bit, but they don't know how much and when. And, you know, what's happening now, we think, is forcing their hand to a degree to basically start to put up interest rates a bit quicker and a bit and raise them faster than they, they would like. But we're still feeling their way through it. It's it's really unclear where we're headed. Just to add to the chaos a little bit, Rob, there's obviously then there's businesses or like, for example, the events industry, and they're just kind of making their own pricing for specific resources, right? Because they're allowed to decide how much they price for whatever thing. So for an example of that is my fiance and I are looking to have our wedding next summer. And we were taking a look at hiring a tent, which is something you, 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 need, you need shelter for any wedding. And apparently they're usually a couple grand in order to buy like a big canvas tent or rent a big canvas tent for an evening. But because it's next summer, which is anticipated to be a huge wedding boom, which we can talk about in length on a different podcast, but they've told us that most of the tent companies that we've been trying to source, the minimum order spend they're looking to take on for new clients right now is 15K. Yeah. So it's a classic case, isn't it? Yeah. Too many people chasing too few marquees or tents or whatever. Yeah. in this case and they can name their price and that's why for a stretch tent to rent it for one night and they're not even entertaining anybody that's that has like a lower price point than that so we can't even find a tent <laughs> no no so i mean it is a kind of race race for tents and yeah. this is happening in sort of other areas as well I mean, yeah of course secondhand cars for instance have gone up in value by quite a lot because there's less new cars being rolled off the production line. And this is the really scary thing. And people, it's going to start showing up in in wages as well. People are going to start demanding more money for doing their job, basically, because the cost of living is rising. And that's when the central banks are going to get pretty twitchy about it. Because once you get those sort of wage demands spiraling upwards, then that is the kind of point at which inflation can become a bit more embedded in the system so what we've got to establish really is whether it's this is a cyclical thing whether Mm -hmm. this is something that's going to subside as things sort of iron out and people get married and they get their tent and then demand and and supply kind of balance themselves out over time get back to normal yeah back to normal there will, will be a point where you know all the people who wanted to get married got married and got their tents and things balance out yeah how long is that going to last and and should central banks 
put up interest rates to counter something that's very, very temporary? Or is it going to be more structural than that? And I think that's the key question markets are asking. I have an interesting question for you. Okay. Are you ready for it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Do you think that this problem in the UK is purely a COVID-related issue? Or do you think it is compounded with Brexit? Okay, well, let's not get too political about <laughs> it. <but I> think, <laughs> COVID is the large contributing factor, I think, because you know we have gone from a point where we, we were near shutdown in large parts of the economy to um, everything's open, you know, go and do what you want. And don't forget as well that a lot of people, not everybody, because more fortunate people have seen their cash balances swell over the past 18 months. So, you know, they did less, didn't go on holiday, they saved more. You know, I've seen so many reports about people saving so much money during COVID. I feel like (laughs) none of those people have the online shopping addiction that I have. Because I feel feel like I have less money than I usually do because it's now part of my rotation of like my social media scrolling is just like fashion apps that I just click on and buy things. Well, yes, there's a bit of that. I couldn't go into the store, but I could see them. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Maybe you're not the typical person. And I think, you know, people have definitely put off kind of big purchases. So they may have saved a few grand and not going on holiday or not upgrading their car or, you know, it's those sorts of maybe bigger purchases that that people haven't made. And anyway, we've seen sort of a bit of a, an uptick in the um, cash and, and a lot of it's fed into the asset prices and house prices and things like that as well. We've seen that, that, that money sort of let loose. And that is a COVID thing because, I mean, in, in America, people were literally mailed checks, weren't they, yeah. as a means of support. You've had all, all of that money come into being, basically printed from nowhere, let loose into the economy. It's found their way into people's bank accounts, into asset prices. But how, how quickly that money is spent on actual things is kind of dictates where we go from here, really. I mean, I think um, some people are going to sort of hold on to it, but some people are going to spend it. And that's why we're seeing a lot of that money being sort of released and, and spent, mm-hmm. which is why we come back to whether it's transient, whether we see that money getting spent and then it's spent and it's no longer there. Whether um, the blip, a blip in the blip. In the... Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, and then, and all of the bottlenecks that we're seeing, you know, do they get ironed out as well? I mean, obviously, people need to retrain, move sectors, and and that sort of thing. And and again, that's a, a bit of a COVID thing as well, because you know, jobs were lost during the pandemic, and people retrained and did other things to keep themselves going, and they didn't necessarily want to go back to their Their old things or in whatever. So they are quite happy doing what they're doing and not going back. So the economy has to adjust to that. And, you know, how quickly can it do that? I think we're in kind of uncharted territory there, really. So how has the stock market been affected that you've seen, Rob? Yeah, so we haven't had a sort of huge reaction so far. I think think the consensus at the moment is that inflation is indeed... A blip, it's transitory, as the um, central banks would have us believe. But there has been a bit of a, a sell-off in the bond market, which is very sensitive to inflation and interest rates going up. Because most bonds pay a fixed amount of income, so as inflation and interest rates rise, the capital value of those bonds has got to fall to pay 
right. right amount of level of return to investors. So that's where things have, have shown up. But obviously, it does spill over into the equity market as well, because company earnings and share prices are priced partly in relation to bond yields as a, as a yardstick. And the higher the inflation and interest rates are that are, are prevailing, the kind of less those future profits are worth in today's terms. And that's got mm-hmm. sort of significant consequences for valuation. So that's why we've seen the, the stock market really kind of make very little progress over the course of the summer, mm-hmm. um, because these inflation concerns are starting to feed into it, particularly in sort of the more growth orientated areas where there's kind of a lot of emphasis on future profits rather than ones that are, that are coming through in the short term. So we've definitely seen a reaction there. Yeah. When uh, do you anticipate things to return to normal? In some ways, the kind of cure for high prices is high prices. So, you know, the more things go up, the less people spend in a way. It kind of almost self-balances. But that's why when you when you get the situation where it feeds into wages, then you know, people can afford more and they and they just accept that prices are getting getting higher and higher and they, they keep spending and it's a, a sort of a self-fulfilling loop. I think our base case is really that we expect inflation will moderate and, and these shorter term factors will turn out to be exactly that shorter term. And there's lots of longer term reasons why inflation is going to fall back. And that's, you know, essentially down to kind of technology changes and greater efficiency over time. And those sort of structural reasons why inflation is is sort of in the longer term anyway, going to remain pretty low. So I think in the short term, we're going to have to get used to these sort of quite high rates. And we're going to have mm-hmm. to get used to interest rates being put up. That's not very fun for us. Rob. It's not fun <laughs> for anyone who's got variable rate mortgage or any debt that's not, not at a fixed Right. So, and that's the kind of key thing, really, what's going to happen when interest rates go up? Because yeah. for a decade, we've seen only interest rate falls. We've not seen it go up. So that's why central banks got a really tricky balancing act. They don't want to put uh, people under, you know, undue financial pressure, totally. uh, but they also want to keep a lid on in inflation. That's the balancing act. Totally. And, and But yeah, there's plenty of people who've, who've never seen interest rates go up. That will be a complete, uh, you know, plenty of people who are working in the city <laughs> haven't yeah. seen them go up. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a different environment, a trickier environment, an environment where, you know, putting together a portfolio is more more difficult, I'd say, as well. That's a great segue to my final question here, Rob. What do you think should be done to ensure that our portfolios are inflation proof? And is there such a thing as an inflation-proof portfolio. Yeah, well, we could do a whole podcast on this. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I- inflation is not good really for lots of assets. I've already mentioned bonds and equities. There are a few things you can do to help. So in the bond market, for instance, there's a few hiding places. Anything that pays a set level amount of income is is not going to respond well to inflation. But if you've got bonds which are linked to inflation or interest rates, then when the income adjusts, then they do provide some protection. Although I might add that um, UK inflation um, linked gilts do look quite expensive at the moment because I think a lot of people are trying to get that level of protection. There's other strategies as well. You could shift into what we call shorter duration bonds, which are bonds which have less time left to repay mm-hmm. uh, and or kind of higher yielding debt, and they have less sensitivity to interest rates and inflation. And in equities, it's it's really difficult as well because 
to a degree, the inflationary environment is a challenging one, albeit over the long term, shares are a really good way of countering inflation. So, you know, possibly it's a short term hit that they have. But nevertheless, there's potential there for the market to be derated, you know, simply because as a group, investors become less willing to pay as much for a given level of earnings within a, you know, for a certain company that forces the share price down. But if the company is trading well, um, if it's maybe supplying something that's in strong demand, it could be raw materials in, in, if it's a more cyclical area, or it's got pricing power to pass on the costs of its products and services to consumers, think the wedding tents. Mm, okay. Those damn wedding tents. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe if you've got a capital light business, so you don't have much of the way in expenditure on goods and materials coming in as well, that, that helps you keep your profit margins and absorb you don't have to absorb too much in the way of high cost. So it's, it's a real mixed bag for shares, actually. But I do think shares have to be really sort of carefully chosen for an inflationary environment, definitely. And it's worth pointing out that cash as well, I mean, people possibly sitting on lots of cash, interest rates are still going to be some way behind the level of inflation as well. So it's not too great hiding in, in cash as well. So um, yeah, not easy. There's a few other things as well, property and, and infrastructure investment trust could be a good option and gold as well so there's a bit more on this on the, our website actually i've done an article on the on as well so uh, amazing we'll be sure to plug that well rob thank you so much again for all your expertise you're so fascinating and seriously every time we chat i'm learning so much so <laughs> much appreciated for you well, to i'm learning a lot some, well about the wedding market <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Thanks so much again, Rob. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thank you all for listening to yet another episode of We Need to Talk About Investing. If you learned anything this week, please do go ahead and feel free to like, share, comment, subscribe. Um, you know the drill at this point. We'll see you next time. We Need to Talk About Investing. beginner investor podcast from charles stanley the value of investments can fall as well as rise investors may get back less than invested past performance is not a reliable guide to the future